Amen. Let's celebrate that this morning. If you're thankful Jesus saves today, say amen. And how about this? If you're glad that Jesus saved you, say amen. All right, so grateful for that this morning, thankful for the salvation that we find in him. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, be looking there. I do want to just um, tag on to what Pastor Travis uh, has already shared with you this morning, but next Sunday is Celebration Sunday, and we've been planning this to just kind of celebrate all that God has done over the past year. We're so grateful for all of the many ways that, that God has blessed us and that God has helped us. And you know, uh, what can happen so easily is time passes so quickly and we just forget. We forget how good God has been and so next week we're going to take time in this service to just celebrate just some of the things that God has done for us over this past year and my challenge to you is for you to stop this week at some point and just begin to recall even in your own personal life all that you have to be thankful for because I promise you this if you do that if you get to think about how good God has been to you you're going to come next week with an attitude of praise and worship and giving glory to God if you believe that say amen. We are so very blessed, and we just want you to be here. Remember, 10 o'clock next Sunday, and we've just got a great day planned for you, not only in our worship service, but we're going to have dinner on the grounds. In fact, somebody said, hey, you haven't listed what the menu is going to be, and, I, and, and so I'm going to tell you, are you ready? It's going to be fried chicken. Now, I thought somebody, you know, it's hard to get some of you blessed. I thought somebody might get blessed over some fried chicken next week. Fried chicken and all the fixings. It's going to be great. We're going to have places to eat inside. We're going to have some tents set up outside, some places to eat out there. We're going to have games going on in both, both places for all ages. All right, we haven't left anybody out. Please plan on being here. It's going to be a great day to celebrate. But can I tell you what? We need some family time. Amen? We need some family time. So let's just have the family come together, the church family come out. It's going to be a great day. I hope you're more convinced when you're here next week than I think you are today. It's going to be a great day, all right? Make plans to come. And look around this morning. If you see somebody that's not here, hey, reach out to them. Somebody maybe you've not seen for a while, reach out to them. Invite them to be here next week with you. A wonderful, wonderful day. First Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're continuing this morning our, our series titled Life on Mission. It's been a challenging series. I, I don't know for you, I know it's been a challenging series for me as God has challenged me in some deeper ways, and, and, and today is no exception as we've been looking at what it looks like to live out in obedience the calling that Jesus has left for us to live our life on mission, what that looks like. And as you know, if you've been here over the last couple weeks, we've taken a look at some, a couple of different aspects of that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the importance of being intentional in the way that we connect God to those around us. God has placed us right where we are every single day in the lives of others um, to, to help them to see and know Jesus by the way that we live. And, and many of you that day shared with us names of people that you want God to help you to connect with. And I just want to tell you again today that we are praying and fasting the staff over these names and praying for you. If you put your name on there, we've been praying for you. Trust that God is going to enable us to connect. If you believe God will be faithful, say amen. I promise God will be faithful. And so that's one of the aspects. And then last week we talked about uh, that a life lived on mission is called to serve, to serve others. And we have to put our faith in action by serving others from a heart of love for them. God is looking to answer the needs around us. And as I told you last week, as God looks to answer the needs around you, he often desires to use you. 
and desires to use me to meet those needs around us. So a life on mission connects and serves, but it doesn't stop there. I want you to see this morning that a life on mission also shares. A life on mission also shares. Kyle Eidelman, pastor Kyle Eidelman, tells a story about a time when he boarded a plane for California. And he had been at a conference in Atlanta, and, and at the conclusion of that conference, he's getting on the plane to fly back to California. And this was at pre-9-11, so things at the airport were just a little bit more relaxed. And, and, and so as, as he's on the plane, as he's sitting there, and he's kind of watching people begin to come down the aisle, he notices that coming down the aisle is a friend of his that had been at the conference with him. And that friend of his, he knew, lived in, in Dallas. And, 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 and he was getting on the same plane. And so as he's walking down the aisle, Kyle looks up at this friend of his, and he says to him, he says, um, he says hey, 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 what are you doing on the plane? What are you doing on this plane? He said, um, are, why aren't you going home to Dallas? And the man just kind of looked at him as he's walking by, and he says, I am going home to Dallas. And he goes, man, this plane is not, this plane's not going to Dallas. It's, it's going to California. And the guy said, no, 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 this plane is going to Dallas. And he walks on by him. And he walks toward the back of the plane, and he sits down back there. Well, now, Kyle found himself, he said, I found myself in a dilemma. The plane was either going to Dallas, or the plane was going to California, but it couldn't be going to both, right? And he said, so, so I asked the guy sitting next to me, I said, is this plane going to California? And the guy looked at him and said, yeah, it's going to California. He said, what are you going to do about that guy? <laughs> Aren't you going to do something? Cal said, well, I've already told him that he's on the wrong plane. And said, he said, I didn't really want to have further confrontation with him, so I did the only thing I could do. He said, I told on him. <laughs> he said, I walked over to the stewardess, and I said, I said, ma'am, I've got a friend that back there. He really shouldn't be traveling without a companion, but he's back there, and he said he's on the wrong plane. He said, um, could, you, could you take care of that for me? And she kind of chuckled and said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Kyle said, a few minutes later, my friend came running down the aisle to get off that plane as fast as he could. You see, Kyle took responsibility. He took responsibility seriously to do everything that he could to make sure that this friend of his didn't end up in the wrong place. He was compassionate enough to share with him in every way he knew how that he was on the wrong plane, and this plane was not going to take him where it, he thinks it's going to take him. I want you to realize this morning that just like Kyle, we have a responsibility to share. And the message that we have to share is something far more important than landing in the wrong city. The eternal destinations of souls around us, of people that we know and that we love and that we care for and that we're around every single day, the eternal destinations of souls is at stake. Like, can I say that again? Because I don't believe this morning that we really understand the gravity, the eternal destination of souls, of people that we love and that we live with and that we care for, and people who are important to us. That's really what's at stake. You realize that. Why wouldn't we want to share about Jesus with them? The good news of Jesus Christ. The whole reason that we connect, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, 
The whole reason that we serve, that we talked about last week, is ultimately because we want to share with others what we have experienced in Christ ourselves. That Jesus really can save. That Jesus can turn our lives around. That he can take old things and make them new. That he can give us second chances. That by his grace, he can redeem us and set us free from the things of the past. We have good news to share. Are we sharing the good news? We have to share. The Apostle Paul, he felt the same way. He experienced the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He was miraculously transformed on the road to Damascus by Jesus himself, and he wanted to share that good news of grace and mercy and love with others. In fact, he wanted to share it with everyone that he met. And one of the places that Paul would go to share this good news was the city of Thessalonica. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul gives us a picture of how the gospel was shared to the people there in that city. And it really, I believe, gives us some insight to the way that we should share this good news of Jesus that we have with those that we are connecting and serving as well. Here's what Paul writes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just going to start with verse 1 this morning. Let's hear what Paul has to say. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continue Continually remember, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Verse 5 Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit. And with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. And he goes on. Paul had moved into the neighborhood. See, we just learned in a few verses, here's what we learned. Paul had moved into the neighborhood. He connected with people. He loved them. He served them and began to share the message of Jesus Christ with the people that are here in this city. When they, when they arrived, think about this, when they arrived in Thessalonica, there were this many believers. There were none. When they left the city, a great church had been established that would change that region of the world. How did this happen? How did they, how did they share the good news. How do they do that? Paul outlines it for us here in verse 5. And, and really, as you're reading through, if, you, if you've read through the, the book of 1 Thessalonians, as you're reading through it, you almost overlook it. You almost miss it. Paul kind of mentions these things, and he's moving right on. But I want us to stop here in verse 5 and see exactly how they share with those around them. And I believe we can learn how we should share with others today. First of all, I want you to see that we share with words it takes words to share. Verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. Paul is saying here that there's more to sharing the gospel than just our words, but it takes our words to share the gospel. It always starts with words. As we connect, as we serve, God opens the door at some point in time for us to begin to share our story with someone else. And we should be able to share that story in a very brief moment of time. I want you to know this morning that I grew up in a Christian home going to church. 
at a very young age, in, in, in one of those church services, I became a very aware of my need for forgiveness, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and began my walk with him. I made a lot of mistakes through my teenage years. I did not always get it right, and I don't want to go into all those details this morning, but I'll just tell you, I did not always get it right. But God never gave up on me. He never gave up on me. His amazing grace kept drawing me back to him. If people were here for my church, they could testify that I came to the altar more than once or twice or three times. I made lots of trips, and God continued to extend his love and grace and mercy toward me. I discovered early that God's love is unfailing, and it is unending, and he continues to reach out and unconditionally draw him back to me because I know he had a plan for my life. He wanted me to have a deep relationship with him. After a few years, a few years later, after getting out of high school, God blessed me with a Christian wife, and, and I'm so thankful for that, and it wasn't too long after that that I found myself at a crossroads. Am I gonna live my life for me, or am I gonna live my life in obedience to Jesus and his plan for me? 22 years ago, I made the choice to commit my life fully and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And since that day, God's plan has unfolded and taken me places and enabled me to do things that I would have told you then that there is no way, absolutely no way that could ever happen in my life. But God has been faithful. It's been filled with ups, great days. It's been filled with downs, difficult days. There have been seasons of blessing that I could have never imagined, but there's also been seasons of hardship. There's been dark days and difficult times. But I want you to know I have not taken one step alone. God has walked with me every single step of the way. When he says he will never leave you, the answer is he never, ever, ever has left me He's provided every step of the way. And the best part is my story is still being written. God's been faithful. God's been faithful. I'm blessed with you this morning to take just a brief moment and share my story with you. God is faithful. Can I tell you this morning that my story isn't your story? Your story is a, is a lot different than my story. Your story is your story, right? But all stories are filled with God's grace and God's faithfulness. Amen. If God has been gracious to you, say amen. amen. And if God has been faithful to you, say amen. amen. See, all of our stories, while they're completely different, they have these underlying themes in common of God's grace and his faithfulness. I have to remind you today that people can argue with you about a lot of things when it comes to Christianity. They can argue with you about a lot of things. They can argue with you about the incarnation, did Jesus really come to this earth and become fully God and fully man, and how does all that work, and I just don't know if it's true. They can argue with you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, did he really die, was he buried, and all of these different theories that go along with that, but I have to remind you of this today. They can argue with you and debate with you about a lot of things, but there's one thing they cannot debate, and that's your story. Because what has happened to you is what has happened to you. Right? Nothing's going to change that. Jesus Christ intersected my life, and I have a story to tell. And you have a story to tell. And let me just remind you, God's going to be faithful to put people in your life who need to hear your story.
Some people say, Pastor, my story's not real dynamic. Mine's kind of like yours, Pastor. God saved me when I was young, and there's not, there's not um, all of these bad things, really, that I've associated with in my life, and I just don't feel like that it's not a real cliffhanging kind of story, so I'm just not sure that I've got such a great story to share. Can I remind you today, your story like mine, is, is, it goes like this, but for the grace of God. But for the grace of God things could have been a whole lot different. But God, in his mercy and grace, he stepped in. He made a difference in my life. But for the grace of God, but for the faithfulness of God, but for him drawing back, I can look at my life and I can tell you, had it not been for the grace of God in that moment of total surrender, I'm telling you this morning, my life story would be a whole lot different but God's grace in that moment and through the faithfulness of his Holy Spirit, he reached out to me and he made a difference in my life. How about you? See, a lot of you have those moments too and you can share, but for the grace and mercy of God. Others say my story's full of things that I'm not proud of and some people will judge me if I share about my, my past. Let me tell you today, you share as God leads you and, you, and and you do that without letting the enemy get a foothold in your life and remember to celebrate what God has done for you. He's in the business of turning our lives completely around and upside down and let me tell you something, the last thing the enemy wants any of us to do is to share our story because we have a story to tell. God is grace-giving, grace and he's faithful. And for all of us, God's put people in our life who need to hear your story. You can, you can debate with yourself back and forth about is my story good enough, and it's not dynamic, and all of these things. God has put people around you that need to hear your story. I wonder this morning, Parents, have you told your story to your kids? Do they know how Jesus Christ intersected you along the road? Grandparents, how about it? Have you sat down with your grandkids and said, hey, I just want to let you know how Jesus has impacted my life? Have you taken the time to tell your story? It starts there, but it ripples out into all kinds of other relationships all around us. And the reality is this, not only do we have a salvation story, if we're Christians today, we should have a salvation story, a moment when Jesus Christ intersected our path, but we have all kinds of stories to tell. It goes beyond just our salvation story, right? But can I tell you about yesterday? Can I tell you about being here at the church all by myself yesterday, and I walked into this sanctuary to do a couple things before the service, and I was complaining to God about a couple things. Just me and God here in the sanctuary, just complaining. This is not in my notes. I was not going to share this, but here you go. Here's my up-to-date testimony, all right? I came in here. I was standing right beside where Butch is sitting, and I was on my way back out, and I'm complaining to God a little bit about a couple of things. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Scripture haven't read that passage recently. So when Moses and the, the children of Israel, he's, he's like, Lord, don't, if, if you're not going to go with us, don't send us up from here. That's when God speaks to him and says, don't worry about it, Moses. I got you. I'll be with you. I'll give you rest. Can I just tell you God is faithful this morning? And I'm not sure why I shared that, but I wanted you to know I got a story to tell. 
God's not faithful 22 years ago. He's not just faithful 22. God was faithful yesterday. God was faithful this morning. And God will be faithful to you today. And people need to hear your story. They need to hear what God's doing in your life. Let me tell you something. They turn on the TV. They're not hearing the story of Jesus Christ. They turn on the radio. Rarely do they hear it unless they tune into Christian radio. And then half the time they still don't hear it. They need to hear the story, and the only way they're going to hear it is if we tell it. We have to share the story, the experiences that we've had. And a lot of times we go through experiences, and we say, God, why am I going through this? I don't understand why I'm facing this in my life. It doesn't make sense. And you, like me, find yourself complaining a little bit to God about what's happening. We don't get it at the time. And then somewhere down the road, just like this morning for me, and it may be a year or two or 10 years down the road, but somewhere down the road, God takes that situation in your life that he helped you through eventually, and that he was faithful in eventually, and somewhere down the road, it becomes a story to tell about how faithful God has been, and how God's poured grace into your life, and how mercy has been complete. It's a story that you have to share with others who need to hear the story of Jesus Christ. We need to read God's word, and we need to understand it, and we, need to, and we need to stand on the promises. But I also believe that people need to hear how this applies to our life and how it's being lived out today. And the only way they're going to hear it is if we share the story. Kevin Harney, in his book, Organic Outreach, he says, Remember, your part is not to change lives necessarily or have all the answers. But you can talk about the ways God is moving in your life. Your stories might just be what another person needs to hear. We need to share our story with others. And God will put the people in the path, in our path that need to hear it if we're asking him to do that. We need to share with words, but it's more than just words. It's more than just words. We need to share also with the Spirit's power. Verse five again, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit. How do we know what to say? How do we know when to speak? Where do the words come from? Where do I get the courage and the boldness that I need to share and to tell others about what Jesus Christ has done for me? It comes as we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. I shared, the, shared this verse with you a couple of weeks ago, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And a couple of weeks ago, I keyed on the last part of this verse, you will be my witnesses. It's not optional. We're witnesses, right? But back up just a little bit in that verse, and here's what I want to key on today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In order to be the witnesses that we need to be, we need the Holy Spirit's power to rest upon us. Paul and his companions, they enter this town, likely never been to before. They begin to build some relationships and make connections and quickly understood and realized that they were not alone. The Spirit had guided them. The Spirit had led them. The Spirit had directed them exactly where he wanted them to be for such a time as this. And when he led them there, he was not going to abandon them. You see, the Spirit doesn't place us right where he wants us and then leaves it, leave it up to us. No, the Spirit places us right where he wants us and then gives us wisdom and gives us power and gives us the words to speak. 
They were not alone in this, and we are not alone in this. God has, is guiding you. If we've opened our heart to him, if that's been our prayer, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live out your plan for my life. I want to do what you would have me to do. God is guiding you every single day. You are not alone. And he will open doors within your day to help you to be able to share with others around you. You say, you say Pastor, I know I have a story to tell, a story to share, but how do I know? How do I know what to share? How do I know the words to speak? I'm not one that speaks out naturally. Now, I know you are going to have a hard time believing this, but I'm not one who speaks out naturally either. In fact, my wife can tell you, like, by nature, I'm an introvert. By nature, I just as soon be kind of in the back, off, alone, in a corner somewhere, right? So I get it. But I want to remind you of a couple of promises this morning you see, there are other people in the Bible, and I'm really glad for this, there are people in the Bible who weren't naturally extroverted either and who didn't always know what to say. Moses was one of them. He had all kinds of excuses, all kinds of questions as God was dealing with him, trying to get him to go and, and to share and to speak. And here's what God tells Moses after Moses gives him all the excuses that we give him. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, uh, now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Amen. Can I just tell you this morning that that probably needs to be on a note card, and it probably needs to be on our dashboard of our car and on our office cubicle at work and, and, and everywhere else, on our bathroom mirror for some, wherever that needs to be. That promise, I will be with you. I will teach you what to say. We need to latch onto that. What if we really believed it? See, God says it, but what if we really believed it? It would make a difference, wouldn't it? If we really believed that in those moments when we took that step of faith and began to say, hey, hey let me just share with you something. That if we trusted that in that moment, the Holy Spirit would be there to guide our thoughts and our, and our words now, God didn't just tell Moses, say, Pastor, that's the Old Testament. God didn't just tell Moses this. Jesus also says it. Jesus repeats basically this promise when he's speaking with his disciples, and, and he told them there's going to be times when you witness, there's going to be times when you witness, and there's going to be extreme cases here, guys. I mean, it, things are going to get tough when you witness and you share the, the love of Jesus with other people. I mean, there's going to be times when because you're doing that, you're going to be drawn in before the judges and, and before the courts. And in, in that moment, I want you to know you're not going to be alone. Here's what he says. When you're brought before, Luke 12, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, do not worry about how you defend yourself or what you will say. Verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, here's the conclusion I've drawn. If... If the Holy Spirit will be with these disciples in extreme cases like this, don't you believe for our average, ordinary day lives that the Holy Spirit will be with us? I believe that he will. And I believe that he will help us in our conver conversations. It's an act of faith. It's saying, God, I believe by faith that, that you will be with me and help me as I share. I believe by faith that the Holy Spirit will provide his power and his wisdom in the moment to know what I should sh say and how I should share it. He will be faithful to us. I remember I worked with a, 
young man in the, in the factory a number of years ago now. And I knew he was a good person, great kid, and we'd gotten to know each other and had lots of conversations. And, and sometimes we would even border conversations about God, about Jesus. But you could watch as we would get close to that, as we would begin to talk, as I would begin to share, he would, he would pull away. He kind of closed that part of his life off to me. But I'd share with him some things. One night about 1.30 in the morning, my phone rang and I looked down and it was this young man calling me, 1.30 in the morning. I thought, what in the world is going on? As I answered the phone, he began to share with me, and I could tell he was upset. He began to share with me that he and his wife had been in a major fight that night, that his wife had left, and that he was out driving around, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And I said, well, he lives fairly close to where we lived at the time, and I said, hey, just come over to the house. Just, just come over. He said, I'll be there in five minutes, and we hung up. I remember I got out of bed, and I put some, you know, put some clothes on, and and I began to just call out to God, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And then I found myself praying this prayer that I've prayed multiple times ever since. God, you know. God, you know. Three word, three word prayer. You know all about his situation. You know what he's going through right now. You know more about him than he even knows about him. And God, you know exactly why he called me. You know exactly why he called me. I don't feel prepared, I feel inadequate, but God, I believe in tonight that you're gonna give me the words that I need and you're, through the power of your spirit, you're gonna help me to, to speak into this young man's life. I didn't say all that. What I said was, God, you know. Shows up at my house, we sat, we talked, he cried, we, well, I cried 90 minutes. And by the end of that 90 minutes, I want you to know that this young man gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just a midnight conversion only to be right back where he was in two or three days. I'm telling you what, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He was never the same again. I can't tell you what I said. I can't tell you exactly what I shared, but I can say this. The Holy Spirit filled that room that night and gave me the words. And he's done that for me multiple times. Say, well, you're a pastor, doesn't matter. I'm just telling you. It does not matter. This is God's promise. Aren't you glad that God's promises aren't just for them and them? For us. They're for all of us. We need to share with the Spirit's power. God, you know. What would happen if we would start praying that prayer? In those moments when we feel inadequate, in those moments where we sense the door is opening and God's giving us an opportunity to speak, what if we would just breathe that prayer? God, you know. Now give me the power, give me the wisdom, give me the words that I need to be able to be your witness today. Can I tell you what would happen if by faith we begin to pray that prayer? God would answer it every single time. He's faithful to answer it. Paul says we share with words and we share with the Spirit's power. But it goes on, we also share with deep conviction. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. He's saying we share with words, but it's more than words. We share with the Spirit's power, but it's more than just the Spirit's power. What moves us to share? 
What motivates us to get involved with people who are hurting? What moves our heart to get us outside of our comfort zone, outside of where we really feel comfortable in sharing and helping others to know the will of God? What, take, what, what gets us beyond this, this rejection, the risk of being rejected? What moves us beyond that? It's deep conviction. It's deep conviction. It's deep conviction that really believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. That Jesus is the way, the only way, and that people need to hear about Jesus Christ. It's deep conviction in that. That he's the only way that men and women and boys and girls can be saved. It's a deep conviction that God desires to use each believer to reach others who don't know him or who have maybe wandered away. It's a deep conviction that God longs to speak to me through his Holy Spirit and prompt me to make a difference in the world around me. It's a deep conviction that as the Spirit prompts me to share and my heart begins to beat faster and faster, if you know what I'm talking about, say amen. He prompts me to share and my heart begins to beat faster within my heart that I can trust in that moment and believe by faith that I am not alone and I'm not responsible for the way that they react to what I share. I'm responsible to share it. It's a deep conviction that's not just felt inside. But as I live out a life as a person of deep conviction that it can be seen on the outside by the way I live and the choices that I make, but also just by my demeanor. There are some people that look at me that I know beyond a doubt just by the way they look and by the way that they live that they are people of deep conviction. There are people who, that have spoken into my life uh, be, when I was not doing the things that I should be doing. There were people who had permission to speak in my life. I didn't necessarily give them that permission, but because they were people of deep conviction who I knew loved me, that when they began to speak to me, I listened. I ran across a video clip this week. I, I really did. I went back and forth about whether or not to show it. But it really impacted me. This video was uploaded online. It's probably been a few years ago now. But the, the gentleman that you will see, he's a complete atheist. His name is Penn Gillette. You may have heard of him from the duo Penn and Teller. They have an act in Las Vegas, a, a comedy magic act. And, and again, Penn is an adamant atheist. But he shares a story. You're going to hear part of it. He tells this story about how one day after one of his shows there in Vegas... He, he says, a normal Christian guy. He said, the guy wasn't weird. He wasn't way out there. This was a normal Christian guy. He came up to me after the show, and he handed me a Bible. And he said, in that Bible, it had his business card and phone numbers in it and just a little note. But he says, it was clear to him that the Lord had led this man to come and, in this real informal way and, 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 and share the gospel with him. Now, you won't hear this part of the story, but early in the, in the story, we, we've cut that out for time. But he tells that this man who came and gave him the Bible had been to the show the night before. He'd been to the show the night before. It was the next day when he came back to share the Bible with this man. Now, I can't tell you for sure what happened in that 24 hours, but I know my God well enough to know it probably went something like this. The man, the Christian man, probably found out that this man was, a, was, a, was an atheist and did not believe in God. And somewhere along the line, God began to pour conviction out on the heart of this man that said, I have to go back and give this man a Bible. 
I've got to do something to share the gospel with him. Can I just tell you, people of deep conviction will respond to what God says to them. So it's the next night, this man comes back with Bible in hand, clearly drawn by the Spirit to connect. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen to how Penn tries to describe the interaction with this Christian man. He doesn't quite know what's happened because he can't put all the words together, so he's not using all of our church terminology, but I want you to hear how he describes the man. Now he's going to say some other things you're going to latch on to, but listen closely to how he's trying to describe this man of deep conviction. The guy is handing them the Bible. Now watch. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man, and uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man... That was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Now you can wrestle with a lot of things he says there. But did you hear how he described this man? Did you catch it? The way he looked me in the eye. The way he had concern and compassion and care for me. Expressed his love. This was not lived out over 30 days. This was not lived out over 10 years. This was a 30-second encounter with a man after a show in a crowd. 
And this man had a deep enough conviction in his heart that he expressed all of that to him, enough to make him go to social media and try to describe what just happened. Let me tell you, what just happened is Penn Gillette met Jesus Christ in that lobby. That's what happened. This man was in the flesh living out what it means to be Jesus to a world around him, and, and he's trying to figure out, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? I mean, I don't believe in God. I don't believe, but this is a really, really good man. Can I tell you why? Because here's a man with deep conviction who went and obeyed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on the other side, on the backside, working in the life of a complete atheist, and he's struggling to know what in the world do I do with what just happened. Can I just tell you that the Holy Spirit will work on both sides of our connections too? That if we will live as people of deep conviction that he will enable us and we will follow where he leads and walk through the open doors that he gives that he will enable us to, to share with such a passion and a love and a care that it will make a difference. And did you, did you hear what he said? I mean, here's an atheist saying to Christians, how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them? Like jot that down and think about it for a while. Our genuine deep conviction, I'm convinced, our genuine deep conviction that Jesus Christ is the answer, that he is love, and that we can reach out to anybody, a deep conviction of that will cut through the stereotypes of what non-believers think about Christians. Many think we're judgmental and intolerant and unloving and hateful, but a deep loving conviction within us for the souls of the hurting and the lost and the broken will make them all see the difference. It'll help them look past their problems with religion and maybe their past hurtful experiences with the church. It'll help them look past that and say, but this guy, he's a really good guy. But this lady, let me tell you something, there's something different about her. And the Holy Spirit begins the softening work in the heart that was once stone. This is the deep conviction that drives us into conversations way out of our comfort zone. The deep convictions that get us into our car to drive to meet somebody as the Spirit leads. The deep convictions that will get us out of the bed in the middle of the night to pray with somebody who doesn't know where else to turn or what else they're going to do. It's a deep conviction that, that stops looking past people and begins to really connect with them and share with them our story of the unconditional love of Jesus. That Jesus' love is unconditional, and so is mine. And we can count on the fact that when we live as people of deep conviction, that the Holy Spirit will be faithful to convict those people too. Are you willing to share? Are you willing to use your words, your story, your stories to impact those around you? Are, you? are you willing to tap in and trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you and empower you to do what he's asked you to do? Are you willing to become a person of deep conviction today? Because I'm telling you what, there's a difference than being a Christian and being a Christian of deep 
conviction that Jesus Christ is the answer for our world today. I want to be a person of deep conviction. Don't you? Maybe our prayer needs to be this morning, oh God, give me a deep, genuine conviction today. Oh God, help me to have such a conviction that I'm willing to say yes to you and to share as you lead and to trust in the power of your Holy Spirit to enable me. Because I'm telling you, church, the world in which we live, the world that you live in and the world that I live in, the places that we go every single week, the people that we know. I've told you this the last three weeks and I tell you it often. God has you placed right there for a purpose. There is a window of opportunity right now. Don't let it pass you by. Carl Henry said this, and I close. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And we're holding it in our hand. May God help us to take it where he desires for it to be in our world. Would you stand with me this morning? Pastor Nathan is going to come. Father, we're so thankful for your presence this morning. And Lord, I, I know I've struggled the last three weeks with these, just the heaviness of the messages. But I also know, Lord Jesus, that it, we need to have ears to hear. And we need to have a heart that would say this morning, you know what? This is an area of my life where I'm just not getting it right. And Lord, I need you. I need you to, to put a deep conviction in my heart. I need you to give me a passion for the, those around me who need to know you, Jesus. I need you to do a work in me so that I can be what you want me to be. Lord, I don't believe that there's anybody in this sanctuary today that hates the people that are around them. But Lord, we need to help show that love to them. And I pray, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would pour a love in our hearts in a fresh way, in such a real way, in such an honest way, in an open way, that, Lord, it would just flow out of us, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to guide and lead and direct and, and give us wisdom, and that we would just become people who want to love people into the kingdom. God, I pray for that today. Give us that kind of a urgency and conviction in our hearts. And Lord, my prayer is today that if there is someone in this room that does not know you, that this morning, that they would know that they are loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they are loved by the church family that's seated around them today, and that there's no greater time than right now to come and just receive Jesus Christ this morning as their Savior. I pray that you draw them to you. Lord, we need you this morning. Help us to say yes to what your Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. As your head